Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name is Ali. I'm joined by my friend James. How's it going, James? Hey, well, it's going surprisingly good. Yeah. Because we've got good news for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, this new Blair Witch game by our favorite dev, Bloober Team. They did it. They did it. They made a good game. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's not like legendary good but it's good it's good and i think you put it best when you messaged me and said that it has its ups and downs yeah which i think is a nice way of saying that it still has some blue routine bullshit <laughs> yeah oh for sure but some blue shit yeah some blue shit but like it's good yeah pleasantly surprised and uh since we're talking about it so so close to release we're gonna leave all the spoilers to the end so yeah, so we'll throw well, in a spoiler tag. So yeah, we're not gonna spoil everything until the end. Yeah, then everything's then, getting ruined. Yeah, you can stop it there or not. You can keep going and just be a madman. You know, it's dude. It's fucking what at Labor Day or some shit. Like yeah, you just go nuts, dude. Crack Fuck a couple it. cold ones, spoil a game for yourself. I don't care. Do what you want. <laughs> yeah, do it for the working man. Absolutely. Um, and as always, this episode of Zero Brightness is sponsored by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. Patreon.com slash zero brightness. All right. Yeah. So that's what it is. And you can go there and uh, help support the show. Help us keep making episodes. We did spend money from it for the first time and we bought some codes for another yeah. new release. Yeah. Um, Add to. Anyway, Blair Witch. Bloober team. 2019 <laughs> so we were kind of like i i think despite how negative we were about layers of fear 2 i would say that we were kind of on the fence about blue routine because layers yeah. for one mediocre observer great layers yeah. for two dumpster fire <laughs> totally yeah uh so going into this i sort of didn't totally know what to expect i was hoping that the license and the kind of just vibe of Blair Witch would help focus them, kind of like the World of Observer did. Sure, yeah, um, and I think it did. It it definitely has that Bloober Team fingerprint on it, right? Yeah, but it uses the Blair Witch license pretty well. Um, I think it just takes that atmosphere from the first movie and spins it in a real cool Bloober Teamy way. And puts you on this sort of like audio visual experience that's pretty linear, but gives you the illusion of openness. Yeah, totally. And it just kind of like draws you through this narrative. And, you know, it's it's just kind of like a great popcorn horror movie feel, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was kind of like we're, we've said in past episodes, I don't mind the kind of linear funhouse feel if it's done well and yeah i think it's it's done well you don't get oversaturated with the psychedelic fucked up shit like you do um in like the worst parts of their other games yeah Um, well it's there but it's restrained and put in in important moments that really make it pop Mm mm-hmm And I think, you know, Blair Witch is a pretty interesting license for them to tackle. 
if you're not familiar, I mean, you probably know about the first movie, The Blair Witch Project, released yeah. in 99. Kind of like world-changing horror film. Invented a lot of tropes and one of the biggest subgenres of horror, which is like found footage or cam yeah. horror. Um, I'm a big fan of the original movie. It's really, really good. Um, we did an episode about it on my other podcast, Demon Daddies. Uh, I actually think it's very underrated. I think the conventional wisdom about that movie has been like, it's important, but it's not good. It was mostly marketing. That, that movie gets a lot of shit. Yeah. And it, it reminds me of when it came out because I was 15 or 16, something like that. And I was... I was the Hollywood video horror freak and I was always renting tapes. I would rent like three or four tapes on a Friday and watch them all weekend, you know? And mm-hmm. so when it came out, like I had the horror mindset, I, I watched it alone. I watched it with the lights off and I kind of let it scare the shit out of me. But a lot of my friends back at the time thought it was really stupid. And then I watched it at a friend's birthday party, you know, maybe a couple weeks later with a group of people and they just ruined the whole experience. They're just making fun of it the whole time. Yeah. And so I, I think that kind of like captures how people felt about it. It was really polarizing. Some people loved it and some people just thought it was really stupid. Right. Well, and there was a ton of crazy like pre viral marketing around it. Yeah. Essentially totally. like the filmmakers kind of wanted to, to make it seem like it was maybe real and it's done mm-hmm. in like it's like a mockumentary basically and then the studio that released it ran with that super hard and so the marketing became about two things number 1 is that maybe it's real <laughs> and yeah. number 2 was like you've never seen anything like this and it's going to fuck you up really bad right so people were like getting motion sick or people were saying that it like scared them so bad and it was kind of the birth of that marketing where they would show people screaming in the dark in movie theaters yeah yeah this was like the first time you would see like reactions of people in the theater in a trailer yeah totally so a lot of it was centered around that so people were going to see it expecting that and i remember like yeah so i was i was like 11 when that movie came out and like i remember just everyone being like it's like so scary it's so scary and then when i finally got around to seeing it it was built up so much that it wasn't scary at all And I was Mm. just, I was kind of disappointed. Like I thought it was cool, but I was disappointed, but I kept coming back to it over the years. I ended up really, really liking it because it's actually a really great ultra minimalist slow burn. Yeah. Horror movie. Like it reminds me a lot of, yeah, like some of the Japanese stuff that would be coming around 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 that time because it moves so slow and it moves towards like a payoff that's barely a payoff and like if you're expecting a conventional movie like you know climax into like denouement kind of thing you're going to be disappointed it just doesn't happen um but if you're just trying to watch it on its own terms actually it's really really good movie and it has a lot of cool lore and stuff around it which was expanded out into a lot of different things there's novels there's comics Mm -hmm. there's like companion books there was a sequel that everybody hated. Um, yeah. I also remember hating it, but I haven't watched it in years. Um, there is, however, a third movie that came out in 2016 that's just called Blair Witch that's actually very good. Did you see that movie? I've stayed away from it. Yeah. I don't know. You haven't seen it? <laughs> no. 
Dude, it's actually really good. <laughs> like, Interesting. So, I mean, it's still like a found footage horror movie, but it's like way higher budget. It looks a mm-hmm. lot nicer. It's clearly like big studio production. It's directed by Adam Weingard, who's like a really good director. He directed um, Your Next, mm-hmm. and he did a movie called uh, Pop Skull that I really, really like. Um, he's a super, super good director. He did a couple or at least one short in VHS as well, that anthology movie. Um, But yeah, he's a great director and he did this Blair Witch movie. Super cool. It's basically following like people who are searching for one of the characters from the original movie. And it takes all the ideas from the original movie, like the shifting landscape, the like time loops and like uh, spatial loops that they're caught in and all that stuff and just Mm -hmm. cranks it up to 11 and also makes it like a lot more visceral. So there's a lot more like just like kind of almost like action like E sequences, but really well directed, really spooky. It's got the spookums. Um, <laughs> it, it's super good movie. And so I think this game kind of takes a lot of cues from that movie in a really cool way. Nice. Well, I'll have to check it out since I like the game so much. Yeah, I'm, I'd be curious to see what you think about it. I mean, I'm definitely in the minority uh, liking it, but... I mean, I'm also in the minority liking the original movie, so I don't know. What does it matter? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think like the reason I was thinking about that movie a lot while playing this is because Blueberry Team kind of takes the same tack that uh, that Weingart did in his movie, which is that mixing the lore of the Blair Witch, which is very spooky and minimalist and mysterious mm-hmm. and cool with like character drama, which is what I think kind of was a formula of the original movie because we didn't get a ton of background on the characters, but we got a lot of them interacting and like fighting and coming into conflict with one another and arguing about this film project they're trying to do, which is like really relatable if you're an artist. Um, (laughs) and, And then mixed with this cool lore. And I think this game actually does a really good job of mixing those elements. Yeah, totally. I mean, this game has sort of like blockbuster aesthetic nailed down, but it's like blockbuster meets found footage indie. But I mean, everything about it is like a well-rounded multimedia experience. Like the audio is killer. The video is killer. Yeah. Um, the narrative's all right. Um, the spookums are pretty good. I mean, Dude, it's got a great spookums. atmosphere. Yeah. Real good spookums. Um, nothing that'll like, make you want to like put the game down and take a break to your spookums. But yeah, it's still pretty good. And yeah, you you, you want to see it until the end because it really ramps up the weirdness at the end. Yeah. Well, and what's kind of like freaking me out was like looking around at reviews of this. It's getting pretty like mixed reviews, I think. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's just crazy. Cause I'm sort of like, what do these reviewers want? Cause it's a lot of the same people who liked layers of fear too. And it's like, this game is so much more cohesive than that game. It's so much more like of an experience overall. And I think in terms of something being scary, I'm always going to appreciate that more than I am like, oh, it had this set piece or this set piece or whatever. I mean, sure. Assuming these people found some sort of set piece to appreciate in Layers of Fear 2, which is like a fucking alien concept to me. But yeah. You know. So if you missed our episode on Layers of Fear 2, it's basically just like an endless hallway in in a halloween themed haunted house and you know around every turn something spooky is gonna happen and it's always kind of like really predictable 
not very fun. But Blair Witch, it kind of gives you a little more air. You know, there are parts where you can stop and kind of just look around, solve a puzzle. Um, I don't know. It gives you pause to where when the freaky stuff happens, it's, it actually feels like freaky stuff. It's not just like sensory overload, like this dumb thing after the next dumb thing. Totally. Well, and I think it has a lot of the things I really liked about Outlast 2. Um, sure. Which was that you're outside. It's a bigger environment. Like you said, you have more air, more breathing room. So it doesn't feel as claustrophobic. And some of the exploration sections can actually go on for a while before you're hit with more story. Yeah. Which is really cool, especially in a sh- I mean, this game is short. I think it took me about five hours. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't look anything up. That was even with like getting lost and getting stuck on a couple of things like it still took me five hours. Um, and so it's cool that it has so much breathing room in a short game. Yeah, and it's got some great puzzles. I mean, no, nothing's like a, a brain melter. But there's some great like area-based puzzles. Um, while there's only a few of them, they're really nice. Yeah, totally. And, you know, Layers of Fear failed at that like miserably. You know, when you hit a puzzle in Layers of Fear, it was like, like put the chair down in the right spot or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, and I think Layers of Fear is just a super fucking unfocused game. Like, or both of them, really. And like, if someone had asked me what's the hook of either of those games, I, I truly wouldn't be able to tell you. Like, mm. I could tell you what the aesthetic is, but I couldn't really tell you like the game hook. Um, with Blair Witch, it's not just like the license and the you know, running around in the woods simulator uh, aspect. It's also that it actually has a bunch of gameplay hooks and a bunch of interesting gameplay elements. Yeah. It's not just streamer fuel. You know, I felt like Layers of Fear and Layers of Fear 2 were just like made for streamers. Like, God, I hope PewDiePie plays this so we can sell a bunch of games. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I hope he plays it and doesn't like say any racial epithets and then we can sell some (laughs) copies. Or does, and you can sell copies. I don't know. The internet is awful. (laughs) Yeah. So the way I would describe Blair Witch is Firewatch meets Layers of Fear meets Soma meets The Vanishing of Ether Carter meets Outlast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I I, I 100% agree with that. Because, like, there's, you know, there's sneaky, hidey moments that are very, very Soma. The whole outside solving kind of uh, camcorder yeah well outside with with the solving puzzles of ethan carter camcorder yeah. is super outlast especially towards the end you start using the camcorder instead of a flashlight or along with a flashlight and mm-hmm. it's very very outlast um i think that uh it it all feels pretty unique though like i think one of my issues with the layers of fear games is that they felt like just like a super hodgepodge so when they were pulling from other games or pulling from movies or whatever it just it it felt very stitched together and poorly made i think in this game it feels unique and it feels of a piece so like when i was reminded of soma it wasn't in like an eye rolling kind of way it was like oh cool you know yeah the parts that reminded me of soma a lot were when you're uh outside in the dark and it's super dark and it's just like inky and thick blackness yeah and then you're kind of just led by lights in the distance 
That reminded me so much of exploring the under the bottom of the ocean in Soma. Yeah, totally. And I mean, this game in Soma also are two of the only modern games I think that get that Silent Hill One darkness, the mm, Silent Hill yeah. One darkness award. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, um, really good darkness. Yeah. Um. So there's a couple puzzles, but it's not hard at all. Um. There's not a ton of difficulty. There's a couple combat scenarios, but it's really not difficult at all. No. And so it's really like a, an interactive movie-like or AV experience. Like, it, it can't be understated how like immersive like putting on a pair of like headphones and playing this game in the dark is. Yeah, to- totally agree. I mean, I think that the only difficult parts or parts I got hung up on was getting lost, but... Yeah, you're, like I said before we started, I mean, I actually timed it out because a couple times I was like, oh, it, it, do, do I need to reload my checkpoint or like what's going on here? And it was like, oh, I've been lost for 10 minutes, like five minutes. You know, it wasn't like a huge thing. And it was actually kind of fun because you're like running around a forest with your dog. Sure. You get yeah. a dog. <laughs> yeah. Dog is great. We're going to talk about all. We're going to deep dive into the dog mechanics later. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, like, I, I think we should touch a bit on the audio-video of this game. Because sure. um, the soundtrack is super good, especially with headphones on. Yeah. Um, you're hearing shit in 360. It's just really haunting and creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the dog, they, did, they sort of fixed this problem in these first-person walking simulator games where, like, the protagonist, like, talks to himself fucking constantly, and it's kind of stupid. Uh, having the dog there actually balances out because, you know, as like a dog owner, I'm like constantly talking to my dog. Yeah. Uh, it's like almost, it's almost like my, uh, my inside monologue, but I just talk to my dog instead, you know? So yeah. that kind of like fixes that like fourth wall breaking thing and you ha- that you have in games where, you know, the protagonist, the first person protagonist has to like say the things he's supposed to be thinking. Yeah, well, and so we just played Alan Wake, which we'll get to in another episode. Uh, And like, man, my biggest problem in that game was probably that the protagonist just narrates the whole game constantly, like in a really over the top way. Yeah. And it drove me so up the wall that when I started this game, I got freaked out because the protagonist in this game looks and sounds a lot like Alan Wake. <laughs> oh, no, again? <laughs> yeah, that was how I felt. But then, like, yeah, the dog actually really fixes that problem. I mean, it's better voice yeah. acting than Alan Wake. And also, you a little like, Alan Wake PTSD. Yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Nudge, nudge, yeah. <laughs> but, like, yeah, the dog definitely fixed that. And also because, like, I wanted to talk to the dog. So like, yes, I was just petting the dog and like checking. There's a part where you can check in on the dog and I just kept checking in on the dog. So I was like, yeah, how are you doing, man? And then the character (laughs) would be like, how are you doing, man? And I'm like, oh yeah, sick. Yeah. So, you know, we talked a bit about like the darkness in this game, but, um, the game uses like a lot of like day night cycles in super effective ways. And like, you'll feel relieved that the sun is up. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, but it's also like in Silent Hill where it can be so jarring that it's creepy. 
it's super creepy there's yeah. moments where it suddenly shifts in the daylight and you're just like whoa what the fuck but it's also yeah. like oh man i can see again and like the end of the game is super super dark and uh, it's very unnerving yeah so yeah the, the playing with the light and dark and daytime nighttime cycles uh they make them illogical and it just it's just really creepy it um yeah. along with fog and rain yeah uh, i like they just nail all the atmosphere yeah, and that stuff can come on kind of suddenly in certain parts, and it's really cool because it just, yeah, it changes the atmosphere. Looks really good. Very well done. Yeah. I agree. And, of course, it's got the patented bloober psychedelic effects. Yeah. Uh, which are used probably most successfully here. I mean, I, I like the stuff in Observer a lot, but sometimes it got sort of heavy-handed when you were jacking into people's brains. Mm-hmm. But I think they really like pared it down here and made it really effective when they used it. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of really subtle stuff in this game. I mean, like, yeah, in Observer, it's really slathered on because it's supposed to be this like digital nightmare. So there's yeah. all the like glitching and, you know, sort of lo-fi effects and all that kind of stuff you'd expect in this game. It doesn't really have anything like that. There's sometimes like a slight VHS quality to certain areas or cutscenes, which is cool. But for the most part, it's just straight up and they throw a lot of subtle things like people suddenly running past you or mm-hmm. like figures appearing and disappearing noises, but they're not like jump scare noises. Um, There's a couple and they'll yeah. get you. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they're actually <laughs> pretty good. Like one yeah. of them got me really bad and I was like, all right, you guys earned that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was actually, I was really happy with how subtle a lot of that stuff was and how cool it was, you know, it's once again, especially after some of the games we've been playing lately that are really like ham handed with that stuff or just how like dumb layers of fear two was this game actually was like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about, I guess the gameplay a bit because it's, it's better than layers of fear, you know, um, it's the most game that they've ever made. <laughs> yeah, you know, Observer had some gaminess, but but still I feel like I was more tethered to the narrative. This one, yeah. they just like work that illusion. They're like massaging that illusion between being a long hallway and being open-ended. Yeah. That it just really works. So, yeah, I agree. It's like so basically you have sort of two wheels that you can pull up on screen at any time. And Mm -hmm. one of them is a list of items and gadgets. Really, they're gadgets. Uh, And the other one are commands for your dog. And those, to me, are like the two big, like, gameplay elements in this game. Yeah. So with the gadgets, you have, like, a flashlight. You have a camcorder. And then you have, like, various... Oh, you have a cell phone and a walkie-talkie. And a walkie-talkie. Yeah. And so each one has its own little system. That's actually really cool. Yeah. yeah. Surprisingly deep uh, cell phone technology. <laughs> yeah. The cell phone is like a 90s like Nokia style yeah. phone. And it does have snake on it. Yeah. And it's like perfect. Every detail. Even some of the funny shit where it was like you have a new voicemail. And at first I was looking for the voicemail. After and I was like, oh, no, you have to call your voicemail. You got to cut your voicemail. That's like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> it's really cool. And it's the same with the walkie talkie where you can take calls or like call out. Um, 
the phone mm-hmm. too it has that open-ended illusion where there's times when you can use it to do like hidden stuff in the game but there's other times you can just do like you can call the pizza place yeah or the veterinarian office yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly i I thought it was neat it's the wheel to select the stuff is a little clunky it is yeah each of those gadgets has its own controls more or less it's not as bad as that sounds probably, but it is a little bit frustrating. Well, I mean, sometimes you want to pet the dog and you accidentally tell him to sit. Yeah. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, with the gadgets, it would be like you're getting a phone call and it would give you a prompt to pull up the, the gadget and then you do it. And then you'd also have to press A to answer the call. And it was like, why? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> Exactly. It's it's yeah, so it's not a big deal, but it was like I thought it was a little clunky, but overall it's cool. Um Yeah. The two big things in the game are the flashlight and the camcorder. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh so the camcorder's got a big puzzle gimmick to it. Uh you can find tapes around. And when you watch tapes, not only does it give you kind of like narrative background, but things that happen in the tape can manipulate the world around you. So for example, like if you're watching a tape and a guy opens a door, you can pause the tape at that spot. And in reality, the door might be open. Yeah. Or an item might be dropped. And so you'll know to go to the spot where the, where that item fell in the tape and the item might be there. Right. And like, it's really simple, but it's really, really cool. Especially the first couple times it happens, you're like, whoa. And it is like, it's trippy because it takes up most of the screen when you're watching the tapes where you can see the stuff happening in the background. Yeah. It's really cool. I also think it's a cool nod to just like the Blair Witch franchise in general. Mm-hmm. Because like, yeah. it's always had this fourth wall, subtle fourth wall breaking effect happening and like is it real or is it not i thought it was cool to have like videotapes that can affect real life you know i thought that was a nice like thematic kind of callback yeah um so the other thing uh is the flashlight which is Uh notable because this game kind of has combat a little bit yeah it kind of has combat which (laughs) and it's not bad actually i mean there's not very much of it. Yeah. It's not very developed, but it reminded me a lot of like Fatal Frame. Yeah. Fatal Frame meets Alan Wake. Yeah. So there's only a couple types of bad guys in the game, but I, the most effective bad guy in the game is these kind of like wood creatures that hide behind trees yeah. and are kind of shaky and scary, but they'll mimic trees and but you'll see them move. And then once they move, they like jump around behind other trees. Your yeah. dog's barking at them, so you know where to point. But the the gimmick to them is that you shine your flashlight on them until they pop, just like Ellen Wake. Yeah, uh, this, it's it's pretty cool, and it only happens a few times, so it its freakiness effectiveness always stays high. Yeah, and like I kind of am of two minds about it because. On the one hand, it being such a small element is nice because you don't have to get frustrated with it. And they it's another classic Bloober thing where they kind of made death uh, not consequential. Yeah. You know, so it's like if you die, you just get reset right back and you have to do it again. But 
And maybe I'm crazy, but I felt like they were maybe making it easier when you would die. Like they were. Yeah. yeah. One, okay. time, one time I died, like there was probably like three of those things and I killed two of them and then I died and restarted again and there weren't any of them. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it's definitely like they made it very easy. So it's just kind of fun. And like I said, it's like, oh, it's like fatal frame, but super easy and inconsequential. And yeah. That's cool. But then on the other hand, I sort of wish they had developed it a little bit more because it's actually pretty cool and fun and it works in the context of this game, which has no HUD and gives you very, very little feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I kind of hope in the future they make another game like this that's as minimalistic, but actually has like some sort of weird combat like that, you know? Yeah, well, I I think they're trending towards that uh, because, I don't know, Layers of Fear was, like, so not interactive, but Observer was, and I think they were, like, trending towards something good, and Layers of Fear 2 is just kind of, like, a shitty fluke. Yeah. I don't know, but, <laughs> yeah, more more of that, please. Yeah, totally agreed. Um, So, of course, the other big mechanic, gameplay-wise, is your dog. Yes, and he's a good boy. He's a very good boy. You have a German shepherd named Bullet, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, once you get to the end of the game, you're like, huh, weird, weird name <laughs> for this dog, huh? <laughs> Spoiler alerts. <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, so you have a dog and he is very, very useful. You can pet him and you yes. can also check on him sometimes, which were my favorite mechanics. Yes. Uh, so the dog reminds me of like, Remember in like the old Nintendo 64 and PlayStation 2 days where all the open world games had like the big red arrow that you had to follow? Yeah. Bullet's kind of like that for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, he'll he'll latch onto a scent and all you have to do is ride the bullet wave. Just follow him. Yeah. And he'll lead you everywhere you need to go. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And you can, yeah, you can have him track sense. You can have him seek around an area. Um, mm-hmm. you can find objects that are scripted and have him go and get them for you. Uh, yeah, it's cool. It works really well and it's, it works well as like player reinforcement too, because you know that if you're not getting any feedback or not being told to like do anything with bullet, then you're probably just like doing something wrong and you need to go yeah. find an item or something. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's such a more compelling way to keep you to keep going than just like an endless hallway like layers of fear too yeah well and even like uh god i just can't stop thinking about alan wake because like it really has a lot (laughs) in common like aesthetically with this game but yeah there's just so many things in alan wake that just bug me i don't want to get into too much because we're doing a different episode for that i know we're holding that anger in yeah next time but then like after (laughs) that i started looking at like all these remedy games because the only other remedy game i played was the original max Payne. And it's like they literally put the fucking objective in the corner of the screen all the time. And they have every character, including your own, tell you to do the objective. I think they only made Max Payne 3, right? Or did they do 1 and 2 and someone else did 3? Someone else did 3. Oh, maybe that's when Rockstar did it? I don't know. Mm. Someone else did. But Who cares? Yeah, who who fucking cares? (laughs) Anyway... It was just like funny after playing that game where literally most of the dialogue is just telling me to like go open a door or something to have a game that actually had a really like nice, subtle, integrated way of telling me where to go and what to do. Um, Totally. Yeah. Yeah. 
I agree. Bullet is the best big blinking red arrow in a game ever. 10 out of 10. (laughs) Very good boy. Would pet again. Totally. And you know, all these new gameplay mechanics that they didn't have in any of the other games and pretty good puzzles. You know, I think puzzles are the the next big chunk of the game we need to talk about. Sure. Um, There aren't a ton, but I don't know. They're just really cool and they work great. Yeah. I mean, there's a puzzle where you have to get the headlights working on a pickup truck. And I'm like, well, I know how to do that because I've changed a fuse in a car before. And so it's like a total, you know, like logic based puzzle. And so you look at the fuse manual and you change the fuse out and it's really cool and you feel good. I mean, I feel like there needs to be more of that, you know? Yeah. Well, and the thing that I would say about the puzzles as well as all the gameplay elements is like you could and I, I saw some reviews accusing them of like not going deep enough or not being deep enough. But the sure. Thi- and it's guilty of that. I mean, yeah, totally. But it's a step in the right direction. Well, <laughs> even regardless of that, what I liked about it was that it all played into the atmosphere of the yeah. game. So like everything was part of the atmosphere. So like, you know, uh, working with your dog and like solving these puzzles and, you know, juggling these different gadgets and making phone calls and talking about walkie talkie, they all contribute to the story and they yeah. all contribute to the atmosphere of the game. And mm-hmm. to me, it's just so much more important that that atmosphere stays consistent and that the game is like drawing you in. So like the steam donkey puzzle, right? Yeah, of course, there's a there's a mine cart, right? It's a video game. There's a mine <laughs> cart and you've got to get a log off the tracks. So there's a there's a whole puzzle and it's it's like a several area puzzle built around getting the this big uh winch working called the steam donkey so you can pull the big log off the tracks right but it's like the reason that that puzzle rules isn't because i was like riveted while looking for a valve <laughs> like yeah the reason that it's great is that you ride around in this uh mine cart through a bunch of creepy tunnels in like near darkness yeah it's awesome it's pretty reminiscent of the the mine cart part in ethan carter yeah, but there's there's minecarts in every fucking game, so I yeah, mean, whatever. Or mist, <laughs> which also came up when we talked about Ethan Carter, and I got all your mist rage. Yeah, but like, <laughs> yeah, I I love that shit, and I think to me that's always going to be more important than like the puzzle itself being some sort of genius work. You know, like I'm yeah. always going to be more interested in just there being like a really cool atmosphere and something cool going on there. And this game has great atmosphere and it doesn't break it. Even as it changes and things get psychedelic, it doesn't ever break the immersion. Yeah. I mean like solving the steam donkey puzzle has you rummaging around ruins and inky blackness in the middle of the woods. Like it's so fucking freaky. Yeah. And there's not even a lot going on to scare you. It's just that the atmosphere is just so oppressive. Yeah, totally. Like if you've been like, okay, so like this game and Firewatch and Ethan Carter, like I like going hiking. So like it gives you that like nature adventure hiking thing. But if you've ever like gone hiking and like been stuck in the dark, like it's scary. Like you'll die like a mountain lion will murder you. Yeah. (laughs) So like, I don't know. This game captures that, you know, like there's no streetlights anywhere, you know? Well, yeah. And I think the, so the game is really gorgeous. 
Like the visuals are really good. The atmosphere, the audio, super, super good. So you're just like super immersed in this like forest scene. And yeah, when you get lost or don't know what to do, it's like you said, it's scary and like, a real world kind of way where you start kind of sweating a little bit because you're like, yeah, uh, uh, you know, and I think that yeah. it really, really nails that aspect of it. And besides your dog, you don't have a compass. No, there's no so. navigation. There's no map. There's no HUD. There's no compass. Like <laughs> you can get really, really uh, lost. You can be going really, really in the wrong direction. And it's super cool. Yeah, and your, and your phone's reception sucks. Yeah, classic. So sometimes you can't even order a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to the Zero Brightness podcast. If you want to support us, the most direct ways are at our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also give us a rating on the service of your choice. I know Apple's super into that. And when you leave a rating, you can also leave us a suggestion for a future episode topic. You can also follow us on Facebook as well as Instagram. We're at Zero Brightness Pod. You can also shoot us an email with thoughts, comments, whatever at Zero Brightness Podcast at gmail.com. It's been really cool interacting with people and sharing thoughts on Facebook and Reddit. So hoping to hear from you guys more directly in the future. Okay, enjoy the rest of the episode. So I guess, you know, we're kind of keeping the story for last. So I guess, you know, we talked about combat a little bit, but let's talk about some of the baddies in the game. Sure. You know, besides the dudes that dart around the trees, they're these sort of really bizarre, like, this is like the stupidest thing in the game. There's these, like, giant tumbleweeds made yeah. out of leaves, and they roll around and hit you. Um, they're in, like, two scenes. Yeah. But I just don't know what the fuck are going on with those things. They're straight out of layers of fear, too. Um, are they? No, I mean, they just seem like they'd be something in that game. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, they're just yeah. kind of dumb. I'm with you, but it it's over quick. Like, yeah. that part is over super quick, uh, which I appreciated. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah. so there are more, like, tree guys later in the game, but instead of them darting around trying to attack you, um, you have to use your camcorder to avoid them. Yeah. And so you're kind of like in thick fog and you'll see them on the camcorder. And it, it's basically just if you get too close, they'll attack you and kill you. Yeah. And so you just have to stay away. And so it's kind of like a an annoying little environmental puzzle where you have to restart a couple times if you fuck up. Very Soma. Very Soma. Very yeah. Soma. I a really like the fear too. Annoying chase sequence. <laughs> I, but it's not as bad. It never no. it never gets to as bad. Yeah, no way. I wouldn't make that comparison just because those parts made me want to fucking die. And these parts, yeah. like like in real life, and these parts, I, I actually thought were pretty cool. Um, it's 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 very much like Soma. I like Soma so much that I was like, I'm fine with this. I really like the visuals at these parts because, like you alluded mm-hmm. to, you're looking at them through your camcorder, and. You can see the path you're supposed to take vaguely as these little white dots, and then you can see them as these like red figures, and they're kind of like shaky, and it's very creepy and cool. Um, and you can also like there's like a look closer button, which I think is left trigger, 
and you can do that to like fill the whole screen up with your camcorder if you want. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. It's a really cool visual and I didn't mind the sneaking. The sneaking is once again, it's better than observer. It's better than layers of fear too. Totally. Yeah. It at least there's make, only a couple spots that really made me restart several times. Yeah. And and it's also like, so the thing about all these antagonists is that they show up at different points of the game and they don't really reappear besides like the sort of OG tree hiding bad boys show up a few yeah. times. Like, yeah, the the thing that I thought was cool about that was that it evolved the mechanic of, you know, enemy encounters as the game went on. So it wasn't just one enemy encounter that kept getting like stale, you know, or just kept getting worse as the game go- goes on. Right. That was definitely my criticism of Layers of Fear 2 because like they kept dressing it up differently, but it was always the same where it was just different instant death traps you had to avoid. Mm-hmm. But in this one, they actually like developed the mechanics and the ideas behind the enemies more. It's sure. also once again, fucking Alan Wake. Like it's just <laughs> that same you figure out how you fight enemies once and you just do it the whole game. And by the end of the game, you're just like super sick of it. So I really appreciated that these things changed and developed as the game went on, even though, yeah, like some of them I wasn't in love with. But yeah. And lastly, we have our main antagonist. Uh, the Carver, and I think we should really just leave discussion about him until after the spoiler drop. Yeah, totally. Uh, because if you know, it, it reveals too much about the story if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go play it. Yeah, so totally. Just a couple more things to talk about until we get into spoiler territory. Just a little bit of the the non spoiler story, which was revealed in trailers and you know the first fifteen minutes of the game. Yeah. Uh, you're a generic white male, a cop named Ellis. Clearly from Silent Hill. Clearly from Alan Wake. Yeah. <laughs> He's got that look. Like I said, it started saying off alarm bells where I was like, oh no. All, all of the game devs have like a generic white male generator app they use. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. He's a cop. A kid has gone missing in the woods, of course. So you decide to show up and help. But you're off duty, and it's kind of insinuated that he's gone through some shit. Yeah. And uh, him and his good boy Bullet go to the woods to look for this missing kid. Yeah. And, like, it's pretty clear that the cops don't really want him there or don't think it's a good idea for him to be there. Yeah. They kind of they kind of mention that he's, like, pushing it a little. Yeah. So you don't really know what that means. And so does his ex-girlfriend. Uh, yeah, who is like kind of says the same thing. Like everyone's very cagey with him and he's like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. So and the narrative is, of course, like heavily Blair Witch influenced, has a big dollop of Silent Hill 2 style personal hell sort mm-hmm. of stuff going on mixed with, you know, like the, the heavy Jacob's Ladder PTSD sort of thing. Yeah. Which is cool, which I think you know is really successful in the narrative. Yeah. And then there's sort of a serial killer, stalkery, sort of saw slash outlast main antagonist. Yeah, totally. I I agree. I think the sort of personal health stuff is really well done. And the way it's integrated into the Blair Witch lore stuff is really good. Um, and I think it's very American, too. There's some yeah. themes that are uniquely American. That I think a Polish developer really kind of like nailed. 
Totally. And I also think it's a good choice because, I mean, Blair Witch had this very, like, American kids out in the woods kind of feel. Yeah. And so did, like, the whole genre of found footage originally. Like, there was another big one around that time that was about the Jersey Devil, which Mm -hmm. is, like, as American as it fucking gets to me. Sure. Like, that whole sort of, like, low-level East Coast cryptid thing is, like, very American, and it's, it's a very very good reference point for a game like this and yeah once again it's like not even, it's made by a european team i think it was really cool that they managed to find and incorporate that reference point and do it really well yeah well i'm from the south so we have a ton of unique sort of lore monsters and oh things. yeah here in san antonio have you heard of donkey lady <laughs> well, I have now. Boy, howdy, donkey lady. Well, Tell me more. Here in San Antonio, there's a legend of the donkey lady. There's a donkey lady bridge. Apparently, she was a, a woman that lived near the bridge, and her house burned down, and her feet were so charred, they turned into stumps. Whoa. And so apparently, you can hear the donkey lady walking on that bridge with her stumps. That's she sounds like a donkey. Creepy. Yeah. You know, there's the classic one, uh, La Llorona, who oh, is yeah. like the, the yeah. woman, her, her, her son drowned. That's a, that's a local Tex-Mex sort of legend. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's a bunch. There's one called the Fat Farm. Okay. In the 60s or 70s, the psychologist dude had a, uh, he had a mansion where he would take fat people and uh, it, it was kind of like a weight loss clinic for like rich people. And apparently he was like starving them to death. That's like the, uh, that's the uh, legend crazy and there's another place called midget mansion where it was like a, a midget family that lived there and the dad went crazy and killed them all holy shit san antonio's got a bunch of crazy yeah you guys right are loaded down <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude that's awesome oh and plus louisiana's next door so they have their own flavor yeah. of crazy shit yeah for sure minnesota it's more like there's a lot of little haunted places Mm. Um, especially because, like, it's really dangerous to go outside after, like, November 1st if you're going to go to, like, caves or old buildings or stuff like that. So there's a lot mm. of, like, dead teens. Uh, Shit. <laughs> so we have a lot of, like, dead teen spots. I've gotten to all of them. They're all pretty wow. spooky. Yeah. Nice. Um, a lot of them you can't go to anymore because they basically wanted to stop more dead teens from being made so they either tore Jesus shit down Christ. or they like yeah. blocked it off but yeah we used to go urban exploring a lot like breaking old buildings and shit like oh yeah. yeah i only realized recently that i was basically like a really bad kid um <laughs> like i come from like a very traditional like arab family so we all had to like get good grades and like appear good so i never thought of myself as a bad kid and i also didn't drink <laughs> But then I realized yeah. recently, I was like, man, I was like a really bad kid. Did a bunch of hood rat shit with your friends. Dude, that was all Fuck I yeah, did. dude. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I used to do so much hood rat shit with my friends. Yeah. Well, I, I don't <laughs> understand what else you're supposed to do for fun, you know? Yeah. We didn't have the internet. Yeah. Not till later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a few years younger than you, so like... We did have, like, early internet, and it, like, sucked, but we still use a lot. But we still did all sorts of weird shit. I think it was, like, we still wanted to go out at night and do creepy shit. <laughs> Fuck yeah. You know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I mean, you can't come up with good folklore unless somebody fucking dies, right? Yeah, somebody's got to bite it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Apologies to La Llorona, but, like, <laughs> you had to go, man. 
<laughs> the baby had to go. That, ba- that baby had to go, dude. So, no spoiler verdict to this game. A no spoiler verdict. It's the best Bloober Team game. If you like the Bloober Team stuff, you're going to fucking love it. If you're on the fence about Bloober Team stuff, this might be the one to make you like a Funhouse game. Yeah. I mean, it's a great... It's a great showpiece for your, like, dope new gaming PC if you want to, like, scare your friends or something. Yeah. Uh, just a great audiovisual experience. Like, put it in 5.1, play it in the dark. Um, is it worth 30 bucks? Uh, yeah. I'm kind of on the fence about it because there's so little replayability, you know? You know, I think there's more than it seems at first glance. So there's multiple endings. Uh... Did you look up what you have to do to get, like, the good ending? No, I couldn't really figure it out. It's crazy. Like, it is fucking weird. Is it worth it, though? Because, like... Yeah, I don't know. I watched the endings, and they're all kind of on the same, like, not great level. Yeah, none of them is, like, good. But I did you get the bad, bad? I got the bad, bad ending. I got the bad, good. Okay. (laughs) I got a bad, bad. (laughs) So there's good, 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 bad, bad, good, and bad, bad. Yeah, I got, I got like, and I, I was trying really hard to like do, do right, <laughs> and the game, the game was like, no, no, <laughs> sir. And I was like, okay, sure, all right, yeah, thanks, man. But yeah. I mean, I think there's a little bit of replayability there if you like the experience. I mean, it's so linear that I don't know how much people are gonna jump back into it. I think the thing that I, I, I like about this game a lot is that it kind of situates itself in an interesting place in the horror game landscape, because I think that if you were really in the mood for a game that's more of just like a multimedia AV experience thing, like you said, uh, something more like Ethan Carter, but you wanted it to be really dark and scary and also have a little bit more like gameplay to it than just more on the walking simulator side. This game has like got you like it has got you. And yeah, it's so well made and it looks so good that, yeah, like if you have the rig to run it, I mean, it's a $30 purchase. Like, sure, it's a fucking cool game, but it's also five hours long. You are liable to play it once, maybe twice. So I think on a sale, like once it gets down to 15 to 20, absolutely. I think 15 is really the sweet spot where people should bite on this. Yeah, I would say even up to like 20. I mean, it's fucking cool. If you like Blair Witch too, because like, I mean, after watching that 2016 Blair Witch, I was like, hell yeah, bro, more Blair Witch. And it just like didn't fucking happen. (laughs) And so this is almost like the real Blair Witch 3 or Blair Witch 4 or whatever. And yeah, I think it's cool. If you're if you're ready for that, I mean, it's a good game. Go for it. Yeah, uh, well, I think we would be remiss not mentioning the performance issues right now. Oh, sure. Uh, so I'm playing with a 1080 Ti. Yeah. i7, 6700K, stock. The 1080 Ti is like a little overclocked. And I was playing it in 1440p, and I got pretty much a solid 60 frames. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot of times where it would like hitch. Nothing like game breaking though, but you had more performance issues. Yeah. So my rig is built for Pro Tools. So it's like a monster on the processing side. Like it's i7, bunch of RAM, like blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah. it, I don't have a very good graphics card. So the GPU side isn't great. However, like mm-hmm. I've had no issues running all the past Bloober stuff 
even Layers of Fear 2 at max settings. Like, no problem. Really? Yeah, no issue. Like, those games were really optimized. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I just didn't have any problems. This game, I did the same thing, and I booted up, and at max settings, it ran like shit. Like, And you're playing at 1080p? Uh, yeah. Yeah, at 1080. And so, like... Uh, Pretty low frame rate, a lot of hitching. Uh, I bumped it down the medium and capped the frames, and it was better. But um, yeah, so that you capped it at thirty. Yeah, I capped it at thirty, and it was better. But then, so I decided to just put it at low and cap it at sixty, and it ran like perfectly, mm-hmm. and it didn't even look that much worse. But okay. towards the end, I kind of got sick of that, and so I put it back at medium, <laughs> capped at sixty, and for some reason, randomly, it just started working great. Yeah. Well, towards the end of the game, there are less open areas, too. So that probably helps. It helps. But there was even like back in some of the open areas, it ran a lot better. And I was like, weird. I just think this game is like really unoptimized right now. And like if you don't have a like a monster graphics card, it's probably not going to run great until they patch it. Um, But if you do, I mean, yeah, bombs away. Have fun. I wonder if this one's going to get a switch port because Layers of Fear has. Oh, really? Yeah. One and two, I think. And Observer. Yeah. I mean, because like if you run this game on the low graphic settings, it looks like Observer. Oh, okay. Like it's a little hazy and a little desaturated. Yeah. Um, it, Which is how Observer looks at high settings. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, play this shit on PC, though. Come on. It's a PC <laughs> game. I don't know. I mean, it might be fun. I mean, it has no HUD, so you just get that full, full True. Switch screen. It might be kind of fun. True. I don't know. I love the Switch, so. Yeah. All right, well, so I guess that's the verdict, huh? Yeah. <laughs> cool. It's, it's good. I mean, yeah, it's good. And we'll definitely get a little more granular and uh, picky in the spoiler section, I think. Welcome to the Spoiler Zone, the place where we spoil things. Spoilers. Spoilers. We did the spoiler alert. (laughs) This is the spoiler zone. Spoils. So, yeah, our guy Ellis. Um, he's he's seen some shit. He's been through some shit. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, total piece of shit. Should we just front load all the info? So, like, the the, look, it's a blooper game. You're like trickled like you're getting sprinkles of like this little story throughout like you're getting little flashbacks and stuff but apparently Ellis was in the Gulf War and uh, he led a a bunch of dudes like a troop and like eight or nine of them died because of him and so he's got a bunch of PTSD over that yeah Um, not only that though like after all his friends died while he was trying to escape, he hid in some lady's house, and he killed her with a knife so she wouldn't, like, yell. Yeah. Which is, like, really fucked up and, like, told Super through this hallucination, like a blooper hallucination that you're going through. Yeah. Uh, pretty hard-hitting image. Yeah. It's, like, really fucked up. Um, and... The PTSD stuff is also fucked up because, like, the way it's kind of, like, drip-fed to you is really crazy. Because, like, I mean, really early on in the game, you start hearing, like, bullets and stuff whenever he starts freaking out. Like, bullets whizzing past and, like, little audio cues. And then at some point, it just kind of throws you into 
him like trying to escape this attack that he caused by like not doing reconnaissance basically and just being yeah. like yeah everybody just go in here and like everybody dies but him and right. he's kind of like sneaking around and like yeah he ends up killing this woman so that he can stay undetected and it's kind of wild because it's just a shit you've been doing the whole game like sneaking around you're in first person and you're in like a middle eastern setting with like a bunch of army dudes and so like the kind of like the humanization doesn't hit you that hard until like in first person like you stab this woman to death and then it's like yeah like a shotgun blast to the face kind of you know what i mean yeah well they've been showing like a brief image from it the whole game which is like her eyes yeah and that is actually that's like pretty cool editing yeah and then like yeah you actually see it and it's like oh yeah that's super grisly yeah you finally Um, get the context of that image later that you've been seeing you know in flashes yeah yeah for sure um but that's not the only thing he did his old boy (laughs) came home and fucking shot an unarmed kid at a gas station yeah so he of course you know he's a veteran he comes home so he joins the force the the sheriff kind of knows what he went through and he feels bad for him so he just kind of gives him a job Mm -hmm. kind of to the dismay of the other cops like the the other cops don't really want to give him a chance but the sheriff gives him a chance right and then so yeah during a robbery at a gas station he shoots an unarmed uh, suspect and kills him. And so we're, we're assuming that, you know, the game takes place after he's like on leave from killing this guy. Yeah. And the game also later like shows you this happening too. And you see it like multiple times in yeah. first person. In first person. Like yeah. Very fucked up. So yeah, it's it's not just American in a folklore way. It's American in like uh, you know, the shit's going on in your country sort of way. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, very very fucked up. But it it didn't feel gratuitous, I guess. Sure, and he like he really puts the blame on himself from like all his fellow soldiers dying, and so he's like even like reciting their names at points yeah. and stuff. Uh you know I've. I have friends that were in the military and, you know, unfortunately they've had like friends that have died and like, it, it seems like their names are like burned into them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. every time they talk about it, they always bring up their names and everything. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, that's like definitely like something you can relate to, I guess, if you were in that sort of situation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Pretty heavy shit. Yeah. Super heavy. And not done in a corny way. Yeah, no, totally. I think it's done really well. Like, the monsters do the corny stuff for that, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think, like, the fact that it's woven into the Blair Witch stuff is why it works, like yeah. you like you just yeah. alluded to. I mean, it would be one thing, I think, if they were trying to make it all of a piece and just make it, like, oh, like, everything is themed after this or everything is themed after that. Like, that can mm-hmm. get super corny, super, super corny, but, like... This game is really cool about how it does it. So he can be like experiencing some crazy paranormal shit, but like also having PTSD and like yeah. the two things are kind of woven together. So like there's a part where you're lost in a foggy forest and you're trying to avoid these creatures and 
a dude on the radio is like, oh, follow the sign. I put a sign there for you. And you go there and it's like a road sign that's in Arabic. And it's like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> And he's like, what the fuck? And the dude just doesn't say anything. And it's like, yeah, that's actually like a really good way to weave yeah. those two ideas. It's, it's very Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah. More than Silent like, Hill, right? Because... Silent yeah. Hill did a lot of Jacob's Ladder things, but it didn't do the PTSD thing, you know? Right. And, and the, yeah, and the reason it's so cool in Jacob's Ladder is that there is like war imagery and there's like specific mm-hmm. like PTSD imagery, but then there's other stuff that's just like demonic or religious or whatever that's unconnected to it. And weaving those two things together is actually is really cool and yeah. keeps it from getting like super cheesy. I think so Jacob's Ladder referring to Vietnam, I think works better because like, I think since this is a game and since it's in first person and since there's like the Middle East involved, it really like give it a little bit of a Call of Duty vibe. You sure. know what I mean? Which I think kind of like diminished the power of that. I don't know. Maybe if it was Vietnam, it would have like hit a little harder or something. I don't know. Eh, I think that's probably up to the player. Yeah, true. To decide. I mean, you know. It is what it is. I think it's a Call of Duty problem. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that you could make an argument for like the subversion of that, which is like what that Mm -hmm. game Spec Ops The Line tried to do, where they were like trying to market it like it was Call of Duty, but then it's actually like this really insane like anti-war game. Um, Right. So you could almost say there's an element of that. I think it's good to try and like keep it current too, because like, I mean, the Gulf War happened a long time ago now, but we they literally just like did it again 10 years later. (laughs) Uh, And then it's just like, they're still in that conflict. So it's kind of like, I guess it's a way to like modernize it and make it, I don't know, easy to connect with for players. You know, if people are younger than like 50 or whatever, (laughs) totally. There's another big factor, which is the girlfriend who calls you and you can call her through the game. Like the game will let you know when you get some signal and you can call her. She's an ex-girlfriend and you kind of find out that he was like a total piece of shit and she left him. Um, kind of like typical cop wife stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. You're off the force and out of my life. <laughs> yeah. I think it's one of the weaker parts of the story. Um, it's just not as compelling as the rest. I mean, I'll agree from a just like a plotting story standpoint, but I do think they having the mechanic of like calling her on your phone because you can also like, yeah, yeah, you can choose to call her when you have reception or you can just like not call her um, like I think it made it more engaging to me because I was just really curious, like what was going to happen, what people are going to say, what the outcomes were going to be just because mm-hmm. I had a hand in it. Sure. I think if it had just been a passive thing, I would totally agree. Because, I mean, the writing is just like whatever. It's just there. Mm-hmm. But I think integrating it into the gameplay and having a mechanic around it made it really cool. I actually enjoyed it, and I was somewhat invested in it. You know, Yeah, it is a cool mechanic. I just wish it wasn't like, like okay, it, they're, they're going to have a petty argument in the woods. Like, while he's, like, searching for a kid in this, like, paranormal, like... <laughs> Void. Yeah, I do like though that he just gets more and more like crazy. Yeah, that in his was calls cool. to her. Yeah. 
Like that was something that I actually enjoyed and that I thought was like a nice little detail. So it's yeah, it's not just like they're having a normal argument or something. It's like, dude, this guy's losing his fucking shit. Cause yeah. like he just saw some weird shit. Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and so the other big thing is the carver. Mm-hmm. So there's like we alluded to him earlier, but he's basically the game's main antagonist. He's this crazy, crazy looking dude uh, <laughs> who presumably lives out in the woods. Yeah, and he's like a scrawny, muscly redneck with yeah. mud all over his head and face. Yeah. And he's wearing this like weird jacket with branches tied all over it. And it, its look kind of emulates those monsters that you've been seeing in the woods. Yeah. Totally. And what's cool about him is that at first he almost seems like a ghost. Like yeah. you really are not given any feedback or like idea of who this person is. And I actually thought it was you because mm. there is a point in the game where you get a call from yourself. Yeah. Early on. And like when this guy started calling me, his voice is not so dissimilar from like the main character's voice. Like mm. it could be the same actor just going like this, you know? <laughs> and like, so at first I thought it was like the main character, but then it's established that it's a different character, but then you still don't see his face for a long time and you can only see his back. And so it's really slowly revealed that it's like a separate character. And I thought that was super cool. Cause then it also like introduces the idea that yeah, he's the one who takes all the Polaroids. He's the one who takes all the video. He's the one who's leaving all this shit from you. Like yeah. you're in this crazy psychedelic forest. It's mm-hmm. things are changing day to night is happening in an instant. You're getting stuck in loops. This is all stuff that happens in the movies too. And I really appreciate that they put in this game. Yeah. That was really cool. And so like you're losing time, all this crazy shit is happening, but there's also this guy who feels like he's caught in the same thrall or like under the same spell. Right. However, he's on a different side than you and he's like leaving this stuff for you and trying to bait you into doing something or egg you on into doing something that you don't really understand. When you know less about him and he's more like ghost like, I think he's more compelling. But at a certain point, someone gives him a walkie talkie and then he just starts <laughs> talking to you constantly. And it gets pretty bad. Yeah, I agree with that. There's especially like one part where he's giving you directions. Yeah. And it's clearly like it's sort of like generated based on what you're doing. And it's pretty jank. And then one point he's like singing you a song. And it's the worst thing I'd ever heard. (laughs) It's a little creepy, but I also could have done without it. Sure. He's, you know, the main antagonist of the game, but he's not behind all the crazy shit going on in the woods. Well, it's I mean, it's sort of insinuated that he's the one who does like the bidding of the Blair Witch. So he's responsible for the missing kid that brought you in the forest in the first place. Mm -hmm. He's responsible for all the missing people because you're finding all these Polaroids. And then when you go to his basement, yeah, you find a tape of him taking the kid down to the basement, which is super creepy. Yeah, and you've seen footage of him killing, like, the sheriff and, like, all this other stuff. So, like, one thing that I think is, like, yeah, you can criticize his character, but one thing that's cool about putting a character in the game who's sort of, like, 
does the bidding of the Blair Witch is that it leaves the Blair Witch as this mysterious force. True. Because, like, the thing in the movies is that you never see what this thing is. Like, people call it the Blair Witch, but it's not an actual person. Yeah. It's a force. It doesn't even seem like an entity. It's like a force. But And I think that it's a good idea that they had with this game, which is to, like, put someone who's kind of, like, doing the bidding of this thing so you can leave the thing as really vague. Yeah, in the game, you get this, like, female voice that sort of speaks to you um, towards the end. And that's kind of presumed to be the Blair Witch, but it also sometimes uses, like, other people's voices. And so it's still very mysterious. Eventually, you end up in the Blair Witch's house, um, which is kind of where, like, the last quarter of the game happens. Yeah. And then this game, like, really kicks up the layers of fear. Yeah, so basically... It's like a crazy fun house. The architecture is changing. Like you referenced earlier, it sort of like falls apart and then gets built back up as you're walking through it, which yeah. is a really cool effect. You keep being compelled to go to the basement, right? Because that's where the kid is. So the first kind of like puzzle is like finding the key to get into the basement. And once you do, you know, you go down the stairs and you end up on the second floor. And, uh, yeah, so the it keeps looping on itself, kind of like PT or Layers of Fear. Right. And sometimes it'll become in a state of, like, extreme disarray. Or sometimes it'll, like, build up itself and kind of, like, unrot right in front of you. All the while, you're sort of dealing with the carver at the same time. Um, there's points where it's like pitch black and all you have is your flashlight and your camcorder and you have to like avoid him and like keep your flashlight pointed at the floor and just like looking at the trails, uh, to avoid this killer. Right. Yeah. It's super cool. Um, it kind of throws all the game's ideas in a blender and creates this one final area it's also a big callback to the movies because like uh, both the movies kind of end up leading to this ramshackle house in the woods. It's called like the Rustin Parr house. Mm. So like the lore of the movies is that there was this supposedly this serial killer who lived in the woods and did the bidding of the Blair Witch and mm. his like ramshackle house became a sort of nexus of all the the evil in the woods and so the movies would always like kind of end in that area. And so does this game. And it also makes reference to in the first movie how you see a character like in a corner staring at the corner, uh, yeah. you know, trying not to look at whatever this thing is. And so the game totally takes that and then designs this whole crazy psychedelic funhouse around this idea. And yeah, there's like really cool tape puzzles in this area. There's, like, really cool environmental effects. Yeah, there's one point where, like, you're walking through the dilapidated hallway, and it's sort of healing as you walk through it. It's really trippy. Or there's another point where it's, like, it's in pretty good shape, and wherever you shine your flashlight, it kind of burns away and rots. Yeah. Uh, They they were just like, we can do all these trippy things, and we're going to do all of them. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's really, really cool. And it gets really weird, too. Like, there's a scene with, like, soldiers where you're walking through 
and they're all kind of like turning away from you. Um, There's a whole bunch of stuff crammed in here, but it's really cool. There is like, so there's some weird like note based story building stuff here, which I mean, it's obviously not a weird concept, especially if you've been listening (laughs) to this show. It's like, yeah, of course. Yeah. So one thing that's kind of interesting about this section is that it does introduce a bunch of ideas that are really weird. And I think they're kind of up to the player to decide what is going on with them. Hmm. And I kind of just want to talk to you about them to see what you think, because I'm like (laughs) hella confused. So the first one is like kind of a bombshell that the game sort of like doesn't come back to, which is that the main character was he had a weird experience of being abducted and taken into the woods, like the Burkittsville woods where the game is set as a child. And like the same therapist who treated him for that is the one who is treating him like for his PTSD. Okay. I may have missed all of that. Maybe I didn't catch any of that, but I like that. Yeah, so towards the end of the game, you start finding these documents that are like a doctor writing about his patient. Mm. And they start off with this kid. And it's like, oh, it's like, I'm treating this kid. This kid was, something happened. He has repressed memories or he can't figure out what happened. And so it's like slowly walking you through this kid regaining his memory. And it turns out that like this kid was basically abducted and taken into the woods and then somehow escaped and got back. But he has like trauma from it. And it basically like ruins his whole life. He's like a fuck up and he decides to go into the military and that's like the main character. And like all this misfortune in his life was sort of caused by this, like the Blair witch. And it was leading him back into the woods again so that he could Mm. like fulfill this sort of like destiny that was created for him by the Blair witch. She wanted all of his Garmon Bozia. Exactly. Yeah, and he was like a Garmon Bozia buffet, dude. <laughs> but like, it's so crazy because it's it's a crazy idea. And then it's okay. So it's also bolstered by this slight weird time loop idea. Mm. Um, yeah. So loops are a big theme, like I mentioned earlier, in the Blair Witch mythology. Like people getting lost and walking in circles, which you do in this game at multiple points. And that's straight out of the original movie. But... There's a point early in the game where you get a call from yourself. It's when you're doing that uh, puzzle with the headlights of the truck. Mm-hmm. And so later in the game, you actually make that call yeah. to yourself earlier. Yeah. And it's really weird because it it's sort of like, wait, what does that mean? And I just wasn't sure what that meant. But then when I saw those documents that were like, oh, this whole thing was sort of like a loop of him being led back i was like i don't know if it just reinforces that idea or there's something else at play yeah it's really interesting so if you find those documents and you connect those dots which i think i'm doing correctly i mean maybe i'm totally (laughs) wrong yeah i think that's what's going on and it made me like the ending a little bit more a little bit yeah the ending is kind of like whatever the ending is pretty disappointing Okay, here, so here's the four endings. You kill the carver and become the next carver. And the dog sees you and walks away. Mm-hmm. And then the second ending's the same thing, but the dog sees you and barks at you and hates you. Mm-hmm. And then the other ending is you die 
and then the dog comes and lays next to you as you die. And then the last ending is you die, and the dog just runs away from you. Okay, so I guess I got the good bad, because the dog just looked at me and left. But you became the carver. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if you dying is the bad ending or the good ending, because they're both bad endings. Yeah, so I guess, like, I have to give this game points because it does meet my very, very low bar of, like, how to do multiple endings in a game, which is that, like, they're all more or less the same. Hmm. Um, yeah. They're very, very similar. The whole idea is, like, basically you are fated to come back to the woods and reckon with your destiny as like the someone who has to do the bidding of the Blair Witch mm-hmm. and basically you can either kill the carver and become the carver uh, or you can let the carver kill you and that's supposedly like breaking the cycle I guess uh, and like redeeming yourself and then there's like slight variations within those endings depending on what you did and so like i tried to be nice in the game and i thought i think that's maybe something i don't know (laughs) but like it's weird because when you start up the game it flashes this warning that's like you are being watched like your actions have consequences (laughs) yeah which is like i mean obviously if you play video games your bullshit detector is going off like crazy sure um which is true and so i guess like Part of it is that you're not supposed to kill monsters. You're supposed to run past them. Really? Yeah. I don't know how to how you would do that though. Oh well, I ran past one of the the jumpy tree guys once. Okay. But I thought it was just happenstance. I didn't know you were able to run by all of them. I guess you are. And then there's also like a part where, like, you can choose to like symbolically kill people with your flashlight and like you're not supposed to do that like because the game towards the end it starts like giving you orders and like stuff to do and you're supposed to disobey them classic bloober they love they love that shit yeah um it's confusing i guess it's hard to say right now too because the game is new and like i think people are probably still figuring some of this stuff out but anyway i would definitely argue that the in the different endings are not worth the replay yeah well the thing that i didn't like about any of them like the one i got and then i watched the cutscenes and are all basically the same very similar cutscenes, same direction etc etc yeah i mean it's really abrupt and it's really weird like it just sort of ends and you get like a text scroll of what happened to everybody like uh yeah can't hardly wait or something yeah like the end like, of the wonder years yeah exactly it's like super goofy and it doesn't resolve the interesting questions that i had like it kind of answers a bunch of questions that i didn't have like what happened to lanning i was like what yeah <laughs> i don't fucking care like M- most importantly the dog doesn't die yeah, they they do a big fake out with making you think the dog died. Yeah, but the dog like super didn't die, which is good. I I was I was so convinced they were gonna kill the dog, so I was like, I don't trust you, motherfuckers. Yeah. You're gonna kill that damn dog just because I love it. 
You savage bastards. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I I think, like, the ending thematically, like I said, makes sense. Especially the one I got where I just became part of the cycle or whatever. Yeah. Like, that made sense thematically, and I didn't think it was poorly written. But I just... It was really abrupt, and the cutscene was really stupid. And it felt weird <laughs> after a game that had such, like, well-directed and, and like, detail-oriented presentation. Yeah. To just kind of fart its way out in the last, like, two minutes. And then play a butt rock song over the credits <laughs> well the fuck was with that the original movie got a lot of shit for being too vague so i feel like they kind of like had to you know tie up a bunch of loose ends it's like almost as vague though it's just that like they yeah they decided to finish the main story and then there's all this other side stuff which like i said i'm, I'm kind of okay with it being left up in the air but it's weird that the game doesn't really have like a proper ending. It know? should have ended with him finally getting a call from the VA so he could finally see his therapist. <laughs> the, yeah. uh, funny side note, the VA is in your like contacts in your cell phone in the game. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like, I guess I would say the big criticism. Cause like, the end of the game really ramps up and it's super, super intense. And then yeah. it just kind of like fizzles out right at the end. Yeah. The whole haunted house part at the end is really cool. And it makes you want to like not stop and keep playing until it's over. Yeah, yeah. totally. It's a big a stretch of, and you just want to do it in one sitting. There's a lot of really good forward momentum yeah. in that section. But yeah. And it's done well, unlike Layers of Fear 2. <laughs> the press W simulator. Oh, God. Yeah, for sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that shit was not good. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll patch it. <laughs> maybe they'll patch the <laughs> ending or something. Uh, they'll Mass Effect 3 it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could use it. That and, like, a, a optimization. I mean, it's fine. Like, it, it's not about the ending. It's just, like, it's about the experience it's a blockbuster kind of feel you know yeah totally and i think like when you yeah when you walk away from the game you definitely get that feeling because like like i keep just being drawn back to different images that were super super cool like yeah there's some little like in between chapter cutscenes that are sort of like images that you've seen in the game but run through a bunch of crazy effects with voiceovers like there's one in a hospital and like it keeps cutting to like this dead deer. That's yeah. super cool. There's one early on, like kind of after they've introduced that he has PTSD where you see like these soldiers bodies just like falling from the top of a building. That's like a crazy fucking image. That's like so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's a bunch of landscapes that are awesome. Like whenever he sort of looks at the forest and he starts having like flashbacks to the war, everything gets on fire and it's just, these like burning forests. Which is, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, there's some flashes between like his flashbacks and like you fighting an antagonist and the jumping back and forth between that is like really cool. Yeah, totally. Um, And yeah, like we mentioned earlier, there's all sorts of just really cool, subtle effects like, you know, people randomly appearing, noises randomly starting up and it's really really cool it's all very subtle it's all super well done um as a fan of the franchise i'm really impressed with how they managed to like work the feel and the lore 
you know, into the framework of the game and just make something that's really like complete and feels really good. I mean, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a little short. Doesn't have the best ending. It's maybe a little overpriced. Although right now it's on Game Pass. Yeah, so. it's like four a four dollar a year thing or something. I don't know. I don't do that <laughs> shit. Four dollars. I month. think it's like I. I looked it up. Uh, I think it's like five dollars a month. Yeah. yeah. So like, you know, <laughs> if you want to go make a Microsoft account and play five dollars to play this game, I don't think I don't think that's a bad investment. Yeah. And, Maybe you'll stick around and play Forza. Like, I don't know, play some bro whatever. games. <laughs> yeah, Forza, dude. <laughs> I like Forza. Get out there, man. Dude, fucking play Forza. Get a big-eyed anime girl on the side of your Subaru WRX and tear some ass, you know, <laughs> through some pretty landscapes. It's, it's really the other side of the coin to this game, I think. <laughs> you know, you run around in the woods a bunch getting spooked, and then you drive around through some beautiful landscapes just... In your waifu car. In your waifu car. (laughs) Oh, man. I saw the worst bumper sticker ever, I think, (laughs) which was uh, someone who was really proud that they know how to drive stick. And it said, real men use three pedals. (laughs) (laughs) I I could see the the same bumper sticker being on like a a heavy metal drummer's double bass kick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Real men use like a bunch of bass drums, bro. People get excited about anything, apparently. Yeah, dude. I drive a manual. I try harder while driving. Hell yeah, bro. I stall out while trying to turn right. Your car's missing a pedal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's why they call themselves the Master Race. I bet it was a white guy, too. Uh, Oh, of course it was. It was at a practice space in Minnesota. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like 80% of the ethnic budget there. <laughs> nice. Anyways. Uh, anyways. Game Club. Game Club. Yep. So new games came out and we wanted to cover them. So uh, what you heard in the last episode, it's not wrong, but it's also, it's not totally right. Yeah. So we dropped this one in the middle of the schedule, and then we're also going to drop a Man of Medan uh, rundown review. We're going to play it together. Juntos, if you will. Is, isn't that the worst game title ever? It's called The yeah. Dark Pictures, Man of Medan. <laughs> well, what's even better is that, so I guess it's like Medan is a place, but whatever they never say it in the game. <laughs> So reviewers have been like, yep, still don't know how to pronounce it because they never said it in the game. Wow. Whoever came up with that idea, Uh, I want to like hit them upside the head with a coconut or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so yeah, we're going to do the dark pictures, man of (laughs) Christ. Anyways, after that. Yeah. Back on schedule. Uh, what? Eternal Dankness? Yep. Eternal Darkness. (laughs) (laughs) And... Alan Wake after that. Ollie's favorite game of all time, Alan Wake. Yeah, we kind of... Those are two fun episodes, I think. Uh, Yeah. You know, a little bit of disagreement, maybe, or... Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so... Anyways, send us some money on Patreon. Yeah, we gotta buy all these stupid (laughs) games. Anyways. Okay, that's it.